Okay, what if I start by saying, welcome to Storyhole, the world's first blank podcast, and then one of you fill in the blank. Okay. Okay, okay so you want to try that? Yeah. 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 Hi, welcome to Storyhole, the world's first... Catherine Zeta-Jones. <laughs> podcast i'm roger i'm kevin i'm Catherine zeta jones <laughs> the zeta, zeta is a, a letter in the greek alphabet well it's great it's great to meet you Catherine. Oh, i'm, I'm no. glad you could join us yeah, you are darling <laughs> i like her kevin i love you <laughs> all right uh hey guys hi <laughs> i got a scenario uh to present to you um, okay. if you guys are willing mm-hmm. i want to put you in a situation uh to see what you would do like an icebreaker right? as long as it's not the corner <laughs> nobody nobody puts kevy baby in the corner no, i won't yeah it's true he'll bite you <laughs> <laughs> all right let me let me paint you a picture uh okay the two of you are in a dusty old library all right and you've gone all the way to the back and you're looking through just shelves of, of books that nobody's touched for decades. And you come across one book in particular that catches your eye. It's mm. old and it's bound in some kind of gross looking leather. And you pull it off the shelf and crack it open. And inside it's filled with secret instructions on how to perform dark rituals and, and black magic. Cool. And you flip to the front at the table of contents. What kind of spell are you going to look up? Um, I'm just going to put it back and get a different book. <laughs> what book are you going to get? Uh, a, a dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You crack open the dictionary. What word are you going to look up? Um, I'm going to look up spells. <laughs> I, would learn, I would love to learn how to cast those. Um, now, let's go back to the other book. The other, I'm going to learn how to... Um, I want to freeze water and make ice things come from my hands like uh, Frozone. Oh, that's pretty good. What about you, Kevy baby? I want um I want tele- telepathy. Te- telepathy? I want telepathy. Tilapia? Is that what you said? I would tel- like some flaky tilapia. <laughs> <laughs> well I want to be able to make flaky tilapia with my mind. Hey, you want me yeah. to freeze that for you so you can have some for later? <laughs> yeah, thank you. Ice cold tilapia. Delicacy. Fish sickle. Fishicle. Those are two very good options. Uh, today, I want to talk about a book that's basically that. Uh, it's a it's a table of contents for all kinds of just terrible spells and and dark magic rituals that's bound in what, by some accounts, may be human skin. And inside of it, it contains information that could give incredible power, like making tilapia, or potentially destroy the entire world. Can I change mine? Yeah. I want to. I want to figure out how to wish for more wishes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's against the rules, man. You can't do it. You got to summon a genie. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if you guys summoned a genie, what would you use your three wishes on? <laughs> oh, I just know number three. <laughs> what would your third wish be, Joey? Let him go. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredibly kind of you. Yeah. But today we're not talking about genie wishes. We're talking about uh, a book that's so dark and evil that even just reading it can make you lose your mind. Today's story hole is about the Necronomicon. Now, first off, I think it's worth mentioning that the Necronomicon is not a real book. It's an invention of the author H.P. Lovecraft. And we'll talk more about oh. who he is in just a minute. Do you know Lovecraft, Kevin? I, I know of of him i know like his 
probably most notable creation. Uh-huh. But yeah, Cthulhu. Uh, right? I, didn't, I didn't know this came from that. Yeah. Uh huh. He invented it. It's really cool. Um, but it's a book that it, it's really become like the commonly referenced example of a dark, mysterious, dangerous magic book. Is that the same book that's in um, uh, Army of Darkness? Yes, it pops up in a bunch of different stuff. Uh, the Evil Dead movies, Army of Darkness. Uh, it's in the Friday the Thirteenth movies. Mm. It's referenced in The Simpsons. There's an episode of. Do you guys remember the TV show House? Yeah, yeah. it's great. Yeah, there's an episode of the House that has the Necronomicon in it. That's what? funny. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, and although it's not a real historical object, it is very much based on things that do exist in the real world. Uh, are you familiar with what a grimoire is? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that I could define it. It's basically it's just a book of magic spells, um, and grimoires have been around forever. You know, people have been making books of magic spells since ancient Greece, ancient Egypt, even before that, and they got really popular in medieval Europe when Christianity blew up. Uh, and basically, from a Christian perspective, there were two different types of grimoires. There were ones that were more or less like any other book, but had recipes, like instructions on how to make spells and and, and, and potions and kind of like a normal cookbook, but for fun, magical things. Hmm. And then there were other kinds of grimoires that were not just a normal book. The book itself was imbued with magical power. So it wasn't really a book about magic. It was a magic book. So the person that read it, they would also be imbued with that power and they'd be given abilities. Oh, I've seen this. Yeah? Yeah. Minecraft. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. They turn purple. There's a table where you can enchant things and they turn into purple and it glows. (laughs) It's probably very similar. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's exactly the same, actually. (laughs) (laughs) And within those two types of grimoires, there can be good ones and there can be bad ones. Uh, The good ones, according to Christianity, taught people how to use uh, the power of nature uh, to make healing amulets or or good luck charms and stuff like that. And since nature is something that God created, it's good. So you could use those as much as you wanted with God's blessing. The other ones, though, the bad ones, those drew their power from something else, not from nature or, or from God, but from demonic forces. And having anything to do with those ones was super dangerous. But... Those grimoires had way better spells in them. They had like uh, spells to see the future. You could bring dead people back to life. You could summon magical creatures. Well, God made people. So why can't I? Why is that a bad thing? Yeah, God thing? made dead people. Yeah, God made dead people. You're, you're right. You should take that up with God, man. I can't answer that question. I'm going to call him after this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, what's his phone number? 332393. <laughs> That plays the uh, plays Power Rangers song sound if you. Does it really? <laughs> yeah. Beep, 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 beep. I like that you know that off the top of your head. I love Power Rangers. <laughs> what can I say? I'm gonna be honest with you guys. I'm I'm the Black Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. Yeah. I'm always riding around that Mastodon instead of using a traditional car. <laughs> <laughs> he was always my favorite. I, I secretly wish my name was Zach when I was younger. Can you name all the Power Rangers? Yep. The yellow one was Tiffany, maybe. Trini. Trini. Kimberly's pink. Yeah. Billy's blue. Ah. Uh, red. Jason. Jason. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. Jason was the Green Ranger, I think. No, it was Tommy. Tommy. All right. Good. Yeah. Well, now we don't have to do that episode, so we can cross that off the list. <laughs> <laughs> we got all the, all the hard facts. We're, we're done. Um, but yeah, I mean, grimoires are, are great. We could do probably an episode just on that, but we got a Necronomicon to talk about. So I, I will give you one example of a real life grimoire. Uh, there's a book called The Lesser Key of Solomon. And it was written sometime during the 14th century. 
And the Lesser Key of Solomon is all about all the different demons you can summon from hell and what each one can offer you if you summon them. Oh, that's good. So say that you wanted to know where buried treasure was. You could just look up in the Lesser Key of Solomon. You could look in the in the index and look up buried treasure. And it would tell you like, oh, if you want to find buried treasure, just summon the demon Asmodee and ask him. <laughs> summon buried treasure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's also great because they had multiple purposes. Like Asmodee, for example, you could summon him and he would show you where buried treasure is and he could also teach you arithmetic it's <laughs> great yeah i remember looking up demons and angels and stuff uh, a while back and some of them are kind of just nice like they were yeah they seem like just helpful yeah, yeah. so I, yeah. Know, I like that that's cool roger you have a book about that don't you yeah, it's lesser key of solomon yeah oh mm-hmm. i have okay. that book it's great you can get on off Amazon, so <laughs> it's pretty cheap. But anyway, the Necronomicon is based on uh, on these real life grimoires, and it's definitely not one of the good, you know, godly nature ones. It's a it's a demon one for sure. Mm. I mentioned in the beginning that by some accounts, the cover of the book is made out of human flesh, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a pretty good hint. I feel like when you find a book that's made out of human flesh, it's probably probably going to be a bad grimoire but that's a real life thing too books bound in human skin are real there's 18 known books in the real world that are actually bound in human skin the mona lisa and the practice of the what the mona lisa well the mona lisa is is a painting (laughs) (laughs) a painting is not a book it's a it's a a good depiction of of nice human skin though yeah it is a painting of a person with skin so you're close Uh on that one Do you want to take a guess on uh, what would be the the most inappropriate book to be bound in human skin, you think? Oh, gosh. Everybody poops. <laughs> yeah. Clifford the Big Red Dog, uh, yeah. issue two. Uh, Berenstein Bears. Book. <laughs> yeah. My, par- my parents' wedding album. <laughs> Maybe like your baby album. Yeah. And oh, then you realize that on your back, there's just a big chunk of your skin that's missing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the ones in real life, though, the ones in the real world that are bound in human skin, um, most of them are medical journals, uh, like from like the 16th, 17th century. That makes sense. Where the doctors would they'd write down their medical research or whatever, and then they would just borrow some of the skin from their dead patients to make the cover. That makes That's sense. So That's weird. A, it's recycling. They're like in like the Harvard <laughs> Library and stuff, right? Yeah. 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 They're just kind of spread around in, in a bunch of different like academic libraries. There's also a couple really cool ones. There's one in, I think it might be in the British National Library. Uh, it's um, it's a biography about a really famous criminal. And when he was executed, they took his skin to bind the biography, which is pretty neat. That's rad. Yeah. So even though the Necronomicon is a fictional invention, it's definitely, it's rooted in things that, that do exist. I had no idea it was, that wasn't a real thing. I just thought it was a real thing. The Necronomicon? Yeah. There are fake ones. People have written Necronomicon since then, but they're just like... The fake Necronomicon? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so let's talk about who created it. So, Kevin, you're kind of familiar with H.P. Lovecraft, right? A little bit, yeah. Yeah? Joey, you know about him? Yeah. Yeah. He was an author in New England in the early 1900s, uh, and he wrote a ton of horror books that nobody really liked at the time. He was uh, pretty pretty unsuccessful in his lifetime. But after he died, he's become super popular. You know, mm-hmm. this kind of well-respected pioneer of science fiction and horror stories. And if you've ever heard of the monster Cthulhu, that's H.P. Lovecraft. You know, yeah. Cthulhu is such a like an iconic kind of monster figure in today's pop culture. He protects like the the old gods or the old ones or something. Uh-huh. Is that what yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So in H.P. Lovecraft stories, the the setting is always more or less the same. It's the real world. Uh, oftentimes, it's like New England, America, in like the nineteen twenties. 
Uh, but the common theme is that there's something else in our world that humanity as a whole doesn't know about. They're like these ancient gods, these these old beings that are from some other dimension or from the stars. And they were here way before humanity was. And they've just been hiding away, sleeping in this weird deathless state for like eons. And even though those old god monsters are sleeping, their influence can still be felt. And people can inadvertently be exposed to short glimpses of, of just kind of how terrible and incomprehensible they are. Because they're like, they're beyond human understanding. To be exposed to one's uh, influence or, or to see a glimpse of one just makes you go insane because the human mind wasn't meant to comprehend such a monstrous creature. It's like those, uh, those remember those books when you were a kid with the, you have to cross your eyes and look and see if you can find the hidden image? <laughs> like a magic eye? Yeah, magic yeah. eye. It's like that. Uh-huh. Yeah, just can't comprehend it. Yeah. It's, it's beauty. Yeah. yeah, everybody who's ever said anything about what's in those is just making it up <laughs> to sound cool. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, though, I'm very good at magic eyes. I'm just going to throw that out there. I bet I'm better. Think so? Yeah, we should I'll, race. Yeah, I'll race you. My mom actually just got a bunch. Of, like, she found a bunch of books from when I was a kid, and those are in there if you want them. I actually, oh, I can actually provide those to you guys if you want them. Cool. <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll have a showdown. I've never been able to see one. Oh, really? Well, I did once when I was a kid, and I just started screaming. <laughs> it was too beautiful. Was it a picture of how you die inside oh, of it? It was, uh, it was similar. It was a like a like a, a piggy bank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I love those things. So, I mean that that's the backdrop for the Necronomicon. That's the world that this book exists in. It's it's our real world, but there's something else happening, just kind of a little bit beyond our perception. Let's take a look at what, according to Lovecraft, are the book's origins. The Necronomicon was written sometime around 738 CE by a man named Abdul al-Hazred, also known as the Mad Arab. And we don't know much about this guy's life. We know that he was a poet in his early life, and at some point he left his hometown in present-day Yemen to go explore the ruins of an ancient city in Babylon. Do you guys remember we talked about Babylon a little bit in the episode about Slimer? Yeah. Mm. Uh, we talked about Mesopotamia. That's where, like, Gozer the Gozerian is from. Same, same general area. But it's rumored that while he was exploring the ruins of Babylon, Abdul al-Hazred found something. And we don't know what it was, but whatever it was, it inspired him to spend a decade wandering alone in the Arabian desert. And what he was doing out there, nobody knows. But after 10 years by himself in the desert, he comes back to civilization. And he was just completely insane. He ranted about finding unknown ancient cities in the desert. Um, he would ramble on and on about powerful entities that he called Yogg-Sothoth and Cthulhu. And he would just stand in the street and repeat the same two-line poem over and over again. Beans, beans, musical fruit. <laughs> That's the one. I was going to ask you, what do you think the poem is? But you nailed it right out of the gate. First trying to warm up. Yeah. What uh, Could you finish the poem for us? Uh, beans, beans, musical fruit. Got got to take a bite. Have Put on your boots. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> the actual poem... It, it, it says that that is not dead, which can eternal lie. And with strange eons, even death may die, which doesn't really mean anything. And naturally, people just assume that the guy had lost his mind in the desert. Right? Spooky. Yeah, it's, it's very spooky. Nobody really paid him much attention. But somewhere along his travels, Abdul Ahazred must have stumbled upon the dark, secret, terrifying truth of the world. Right? You know, it, it, he was exposed to the old gods and the secret horrors that are just outside of human perception. 
And during the last couple years of his life, he devoted himself to recording everything he had found out and all of his knowledge uh, into a book that he called the Al-Azif. And Al-Azif supposedly translates uh, from Arabic into the sound that insects make in the middle of the night, which is a cool spooky title for a book. All right. It's also in Clueless. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> that's what she says. Like, you know, whenever she's like upset. Al-Azif. Yeah. <laughs> It's bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> For the most part, though, people assume the book, it was just the writings of a madman, right? But some people were drawn to it, and it was passed around in the shadows for years. A couple hundred years after the Mad Arab wrote it, it was translated into Greek. And in the Greek version, it had a new title, the Necronomicon. In Greek, necros means dead, nomos means law, and icon means image. So the title of the Necronomicon is Greek for an image of the laws of the dead. Cool. That's great. And the Greek copy started to attract more attention, um, especially from people that were willing to experiment with it to try to understand it or maybe to try to gain some kind of power from it. But every time someone would get too into actually exploring the contents of the book, something terrible would happen to them. Either they'd die in some kind of grotesque, mysterious way, or they would just lose their minds. It's kind of a common theme with the Necronomicon that the stuff that's inside of it, the knowledge that's in it, was not meant for the human mind. So just reading it can make you go mad. A few copies of the Necronomicon survived, though. Uh, One of them was translated into Latin during the medieval period. And the Latin translation caught the eye of the Catholic Church. And Pope Gregory IX, in like the 13th century, he banned it. He said it was the work of the devil, and he banned it from all of Europe. Which kind of only brought more attention to it. You know, the people that were kind of lurking in the shadows were more drawn to this this forbidden book. Um, And by the 1920s, there were uh, really just a few copies that have survived. A lot of them were burnt when the Catholic Church banned it, but a few had been hidden away. And by the time we get into the 20th century, there's a handful of copies that still exist, usually in museums or in big libraries, usually kept under lock and key. There's one in the British Museum. There's one in the Paris National Library. There's one at Harvard. You know, the history of the Necronomicon is basically just that copies have been passed down for generations, kind of in the shadows, just on the outskirts, on the fringes of of religion and academic research. The first time it comes up in a Lovecraft story, it's in a story about two roommates, uh, which in a lot of ways is kind of like you and me, Joey, up until recently, huh? Yeah. But unlike us, those two guys are super into grave robbing. Well, I mean, that's... I mean, it's somewhat like us. That's like us. <laughs> yeah. Let's, I mean, it's exactly like us. You guys just <laughs> dabble in it, though. Yeah, we dabble. We're not experts. Yeah. yeah. You might want to take this part out so people don't find out about <laughs> we, that. We dig up the graves, but we put more stuff into it than we take out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's storage. Grave giving. Store, storage fees are just too much these days and so i'd like to keep my things underground i have my collection of like vhs tapes i don't want to throw them away but they're taking up too much space you'll have all those copies of titanic and it's two (laughs) two vhs tapes so it takes up a lot of room (laughs) takes up a lot of space yeah Mm -hmm. um but these two grave robbers what they've done is they've made just a terrible museum in their basement of all the stuff that they've stolen from graves like bones and old rotten heads and stuff like that (laughs) And also in their in their museum. Can I time out for a second? Was that what they're stealing rotten heads? Uh-huh. They they're doing it wrong. You gotta steal jewelry. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're not very good grave robbers. Yeah, they're not really in it for the jewelry. They're in it for the body parts. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, I guess if they're wearing like a necklace, how else are they going to get the necklace? You got to take the whole the whole shebang, you know? Yeah, that's true. In their museum, though, next to their old rotten heads and their bones, they have an old book that they found in a coffin. And the old book is bound in human skin. It's the Necronomicon. And we don't really know how they got it or what coffin it was buried in, but somewhere along the line, they just uh, they just took it. And they don't really know what it is. They've, they've looked through it a little bit, but it's written in Latin, so they can't read it. So they don't use it to make any you know dark rituals or to cast any spells or anything. But they flip through it and they look at the pictures and whatnot, which actually ends up leading to their demise because they make a plan to do a really big job. They're like, you know, we've been we've been practicing grave robbing for a while. It's time to take it to the next level. So what they decide they're going to do is go to go find the world's most famous grave robber and rob his grave. David Blaine. What? It's David Blaine. <laughs> yeah, they're going to go do. They're going to pull off the crowning achievement for grave robbers. They're going to dig up David Blaine. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they do it. He's not actually dead. He's just doing a magic trick down there. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, man, you ruined my trick. You ruined it. <laughs> So they travel to Holland where uh, David Blaine's buried and they dig him up. And when they crack open his coffin, they notice two things. One is that his body isn't that gross. It's not that rotten. It looks pretty good still. (laughs) And two, looks good enough to kiss. Mm. And two, around his neck is some kind of amulet made out of this weird green stone that they've never seen before. And they recognize that amulet from one of the drawings in their copy of the Necronomicon. They're not really into jewelry, right? They don't typically take that kind of stuff. They just like taking gross body parts. But because they recognize it from their book, they take the amulet instead. And as they're traveling home, they realize that the amulet is cursed. When they took it, it awoke some kind of terrible power. And it ends up tearing apart one of the dudes, just like tearing him limb from limb. And the other guy ends up killing himself because he just doesn't want to deal with it. And that's the first time we hear of the Necronomicon. But the Necronomicon pops up in a lot of Lovecraft stories, but it's usually only in passing. There's one story, though, that I think gives us some pretty good insight into what someone can do with the power of the book. Have you guys heard of the Dunwich Horror? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. The Dunwich Horror refers to something terrible that happened in the small town of Dunwich, Massachusetts in the 1920s. And the horror started when a really gross albino lady that lived on the outskirts of town gave birth to a really smelly baby. (laughs) (laughs) And nobody really knew who the father was because nobody would admit to sleeping with the gross albino mom. But rumors started to fly that maybe the dad wasn't human at all because that smelly baby grew into a smelly man in the span of like 10 years. Weird. And as he grew, the family continuously built onto their old decrepit farmhouse to make it bigger and bigger. And nobody could figure out why. You know, they just kept making it larger and building more additions to it. And they also kept buying more and more cows. But the size of their cattle herd never really seemed to get much larger. And eventually, that weird smelly man, he took a trip to Harvard. And when he was at Harvard, he went to the library. And he he tried to convince a librarian to let him borrow the copy of the Necronomicon that they had at the Harvard library. But the smelly man was was he's just so smelly and so off-putting that the librarian just asked him to leave. And the librarian didn't want to deal with him. So later that night, the smelly man, desperate to get the book, broke into the library and was promptly killed by the guard dogs. And the librarian's called in as it's all happening. And the librarian says that as he watched that man's body lay on the ground, it just disintegrated into just a pile of gross goo. He probably tastes gross, man. That's all I can think about those poor dogs. His goo? Like just biting him and stuff. Yeah. They had to eat it. They had to bite a gross flavor. <laughs> 
That's actually a really interesting point I've never thought about before. If if you're a dog and you want to fight something, you have to taste it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like if I wanted to punch somebody, I would have to taste what their face tastes like. Yeah. <laughs> That's really gross. <laughs> well, you probably want to punch the best tasting part of them. You don't have to yeah. punch the face. <laughs> What's the best tasting part, you think? The eyes. Armpit. <laughs> armpit? <laughs> Maybe. Have you ever tasted an armpit? I have once, actually. Oh. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> um, so that's a pretty disturbing event for the librarian, and he can't really, you know, get it out of his mind. So he starts to look into just who this guy was, and as part of that, he starts to look at the book that that man so desperately wanted. So he starts to study the Necronomicon a little. He ends up going out to the town of Dunwich to kind of learn about the family itself, and what he uncovers is is some pretty disturbing stuff. That gross albino lady, the townspeople were right. Nobody would have slept with her. So instead, what she did is she used a fragment of some old book that her family had passed down for generations, which was the Necronomicon. And she used it to summon a giant invisible monster so she could date it. Oh, well, sad. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, it's... Uh, you feel kind of bad for her. it's a it was a a desperate move for sure but uh, i get it you know <laughs> we've all been there i would have dated her i would have given it a shot yeah she's probably very nice yeah so that smelly baby that grew into a smelly man in 10 years he was half human half monster <laughs> and the reason why he wanted to get that copy of the necronomicon was because their copy was incomplete it was just a fragment and he was hoping that he could find the full copy of the necronomicon because his family was in kind of a pickle because uh, it turns out that that smelly man, he wasn't an only child. He was born with a twin. Unfortunately, his twin took after his father, while the smelly man mostly took after his mother. So instead of his twin being more or less a normal human, but just with a terrible smell, his twin was a big invisible monster figure. And he was quickly growing into being a gigantic invisible monster. Cool. And that's the reason why they had to keep adding on to the house. They had to make more space for the twin brother as he grew up. And that's also why they had to keep buying cows because the twin brother would just eat a whole cow like it was nothing. And that's a, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of how we see the Necronomicon. It's something that's referenced, but never explicitly really discussed what it contains. I mean, you can see, you got a good sense of the power that it has. That's cool. Mm-hmm. So they were, they were hoping in finding the full book that they could eliminate their brother? No, I don't think so. Cause they loved him. It's not explicitly addressed in the book, but I think that maybe they want to use it to summon the father back. Cause the father's not in the picture, you know, classic, Deadbeat classic demon. father left home. Yeah. You feel kind of sympathetic. At the end of the Dunwich Horror, a bunch of people get together to kill the twin brother monster. And as they're killing him, he cries out in English for help and for his dad, which is just really sad. Yeah, it's not it's not his fault that his mom just had really bad taste in men. (laughs) Um, But anyway, that's all Lovecraft stuff. You know, uh, there's a like I said, Lovecraft doesn't really get too deep into what the Necronomicon actually contains. There's actually a quote where he explains why he avoided doing that. He said, no one can ever produce anything that even a tenth as terrible and as impressive as one can hint about. If anybody were to try to write the Necronomicon, it would disappoint all those who have shuddered at its cryptic references. That's cool. So it stays Mm -hmm. pretty mysterious and pretty vague. From there, though, the Necronomicon finds its way into a bunch of different stories and a bunch of different universes outside of Lovecraft. Uh, For the last, like, probably 30 or 40 years, the Necronomicon has been popping up in a bunch of different stuff. 
like Joey, you mentioned Army of Darkness, right? Mm-hmm. If you've ever seen the Evil Dead movies or Army of Darkness, which is part of the Evil Dead universe, the Necronomicon is a, a central object to that story. In the Evil Dead, which is the original movie in that series, um, it's about teenagers who take a trip to stay in a cabin out in the middle of nowhere in a forest in Tennessee. And while they're there, they find some things that the previous tenant left behind years ago. In the basement, there's an old book bound in gross leather that looks like it has a human face sewn onto the cover. And next to it is a tape recorder. And the tape on that tape recorder is the account of some archaeologist who had discovered the book and couldn't figure out what it was. So he goes off into the forest away from everything else so he can focus on just figuring out what this old book is. And he dedicated his life to unraveling its mystery. But somewhere along the line, he just disappeared and left the book and his tape recorder behind. So when the teens play the recording on that tape recorder, they hear the archaeologist discussing what he's figured out. And he's reading excerpts of the Latin inside the Necronomicon, which is a huge mistake. When they play back that recording and the Latin text gets recited, it triggers a spell to summon demons and the dead back to Earth, which starts... It's like Alexa. Yeah, (laughs) Basically, uh, it starts pretty much everything in that series. You know, the entire series of Evil Dead and the Army of Darkness. And, and there's a TV series, Ash versus Evil Dead. Right? Mm-hmm. All of those problems and all those monsters were triggered by a reading from the Necronomicon. That same Necronomicon, the exact same copy with a human face sewn onto the cover. That same book is seen later in the Friday the 13th movies. I guess familiar with Friday the 13th? Is that the Jason one? Yeah. Yeah. The backstory of those movies is that there's a young boy who's Jason, and he goes to a summer camp. And uh, while he's at camp, he accidentally drowns in the lake, while the camp counselors, who were supposed to be watching him, were too busy smooching to notice. And the mother of Jason goes nuts. And she just starts killing people to get revenge. But all the rest of the Friday the 13th after that, the killer is not Jason's mom. It's actually the reanimated corpse of Jason walking around in a mask killing people. And it's revealed in those movies pretty late in the series. I want to say it's like movie number nine or something. It's revealed that inside Jason's mom's house in the basement, there's a copy of the Necronomicon. Before she went on her murder spree, she used the Necronomicon to try to reanimate her son, and it worked. But her son didn't come back as like a, a normal kid. He came back as like this possessed demon entity, right? So it's pretty cool. I mean, the Necronomicon is kind of this this thread that connects a lot of different different universes and different horror stories, yeah. um, which is kind of neat. It kind of adds some legitimacy to it, right? The, the whole Jason thing, he died as a little boy, right? And I picture mm-hmm. Jason, he's a, a hulking man in a mask. Yeah. yeah. Did he grow up after he was reanimated? He Well, he was reanimated as a giant hulking zombie monster, kind of in the same way that the half-boy, half-monster grew into adult in 10 years in the Dunwich Horror, right? That's crazy. Have you guys ever played the Friday the 13th video game? For Nintendo? The original yeah. NES? Uh-huh. A little bit, mostly with you. It's terrible, right? I still like it. But also, <laughs> if you if you lose the game over screen, it just says, you and your friends are dead. <laughs> Which I think is pretty brutal. That's so hard. It's the hardest game ever, though. It's so rough. Yeah. You beat Jason once, and then you just have to beat him again, right? Yeah. Then yeah. You, yeah. It starts over, and it gets harder each time. You do. I think you do it three times. What a terrible game. Yeah. 
And also, just the last thing I want to talk about is uh, the show House. Did you guys watch House? Yeah. I loved House, man. Yeah. For sure, yeah. I didn't watch too much of it, but uh, if you don't know what the TV show House was about, um, it's about doctor stuff, right? Joey, you probably watched it the most. What, what is House about? All right, so there's kind of a, uh, a super smart doctor who's kind of cynical and bitter at the Surly. world. He's very surly. Um, <laughs> he had a, a, a gimpy leg, and I can't remember what it was. I think it was like a botched surgery or something. But anyway, he was great at what he did, but he always broke the rules, but he was still the best at everything. So it's uh-huh. kind of like you're in the mind of this guy uh, who's solving all sorts of medical issues while also uh, struggling to form relationships with his coworkers. Oh, it's very relatable. Yeah. Sounds great. <laughs> there's an episode of House where um, there's a... Um, like a renaissance fair reenactor who has some mysterious disease and they can't figure out what's happening to him. Like his eyes are full of blood and he has blisters all over his body and stuff. And the doctors, the team of doctors in the hospital, they go to his house to see if maybe he's having an allergic reaction to something that they can find at his home. And they find a secret locked room. And in that secret locked room, they find a copy of the Necronomicon inside. And there's a brief time in the show when they're considering that maybe the mysterious disease is actually black magic caused by the Necronomicon, <laughs> which is pretty incredible. It ends up being that he just has an infection in his heart <laughs> from yeah. using steroids too much, which is a pretty disappointing. Um, but uh, that or meningitis. Everybody had meningitis in that. Really? In that yeah. It was every, every other episode. It might have been. Do do uh, uh, w- women get women meningitis? You know, I thought about making that joke and then decided not to. I also thought about. So I'm glad. You, I'm glad you thought did. about that joke. Also, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. All three of us <laughs> came up with the same yeah, joke. Sorry. And uh, passed on it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you think in Jamaica they get mon monogitis? <laughs> How about that joke? Is that better? <laughs> yeah. Kevin, what do you got? Do you, uh, in like South America, do you think they get flaningitis? That's good. That's good. <laughs> you know, actually, I did get meningitis once, and it was a really, it was a really aggressive case. It was called mean meningitis. Awesome. Uh-huh. Also, very bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's keep going until we get a good one. Okay. Uh, um, I I I got a bad case in my mouth, and it was men men and gingivitis. <laughs> <laughs> if uh if uh if if you're a fish and you get it you get salmoningitis <laughs> yeah. um i was uh i want to make a, a movie about it but i want it to start robin hood and it's gonna be called robin hood uh men and men and titus <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the joke you found it <laughs> there. great well do you guys have anything you want to add about the necronomicon um, uh, I actually I have a copy of it. Yeah, yeah, like a real copy though. Uh-huh. Everything you've, I'm going to discredit everything you just said. Um, it is real. I have it. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Oh, can you yeah. flip? Can you flip to page? Flip to page sixty nine and tell me what's on it. Okay, here um, I'm going to open it up right now. Okay, ready? Yep. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> Why does it sound like a oh, laser? God. <laughs> Oh, it's uh, that's the the page on lasers. <laughs> yeah, cool. Did I scare, did I scare you? you? Spooked me, yeah. Yeah, it got me a bit. That's yeah. What happens? That's what happens when uh, you open the old book. <laughs> <laughs> All right, should we wrap it up? Yeah. yeah, let's do it. Yeah, thanks for thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, if you want to hit us up on social media, our Instagram is Storyhole Podcast. Right. Yeah. And our Twitter is Storyhole One. And we're also on Spotify and Google Play. 
and pretty much everything else now. Yeah. If you want to see some fun visuals, they're on YouTube, so you can you can listen there if you want to and watch our little faces. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.